Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I am Tyler Fertel here with Andrew Lubliner, Campbell Klein, and Dean McCollum. Today we will be discussing the wild card round of the MLB playoffs in the first quarter of the NFL season. And then we will be heading into our traditional shot clock segment. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get started. We will start with a review of the MLB wildcard series. Okay, first of all, we're going to go to the Yankees, the number five seed beating the number four Indians. A big headline in this was in game one, Shane Bieber got ripped up by that Yankees offense. As a Yankee fan, Andrew, what do you have to say by this? Well, I was uh, pretty happy to watch that. Uh, going into the game, I was pretty scared because I think Shane Bieber led the MLB in ERA, strikeouts, and wins. Uh, I know at least the AL. So he was pretty much the best pitcher in baseball all year. And right away, once, I mean, four pitches into the game, it was 2-0 with a DJ LeMahieu hit and a Judge Homer. I had a feeling that we were going to win that game just because if you can make hard contact, then eventually it's going to get in the hole. And Garrett Cole also, I mean, people forget how good Garrett Cole pitched in that game but he actually had 13 strikeouts and he only gave up two runs. So he played just as well as uh, the offense played who put up 13 runs and staying at home run and just everything was clicking in that game. And then in the second game, it was kind of more of the same, except it was a little closer. Um, it took the Yankees a little long to get the Indian starter out of the game, but eventually they got him out and uh, Gio Urshela hit a grand slam to put him ahead. From then on, it was kind of a back-and-forth game. Uh, the Indians re retook the lead after that, and then Gary Sanchez hit a home run, and then the Indians tied it back up. And then in the ninth inning, the Yankees were down by one, and DJ LeMahieu uh, hit a single to put them up by one, and then Aral Chapman was able to save the game, who pitched two innings, which is foreign territory for him. So it was a good series for the Yankees. Their offense really showed what they can do when they're all healthy, and Garrett Cole showed why the Yankees paid him $300 million. Yeah, you just explained how the Yankees won the series 2-0, and they won two straight games. It was a relatively easy series for them. It was a little weird because the Indians' starting pitchers were really good during the regular season and were not that good during the postseason. So they only got to play two games. We might not know what Shane Bieber can do in the postseason for another year, or we will not know. So... Yeah, another topic in this series was Francisco Lindor. He is a free agent this season. Do the Indians pay him? Because he said that he would be willing to stay there for a big deal, and they can definitely give him one. Should he stay or should he leave? In my opinion, I think that he's already made to the World Series once. I feel like he's at the point in his career where he's already like an all-star. He's one of the best shortstops in the game. He probably just wants to win a uh, World Series. So I wouldn't be surprised if he left Cleveland for a better organization. Maybe like the Angels. I know the Angels aren't very good, but if you put him on that team with Mike Trout and Rendon and Otani, I think that team could definitely make a run at the playoffs. And there are some other teams, but I think he likes it in Cleveland. And I mean, I think uh, the Indians expected to win that series because, you know, they were the higher seed. They have one of the best pitchers in baseball. So I think that he probably stays with the Indians, but if he gets a better offer from somewhere else, he might go there. Yeah, and the Yankees are playing the Rays in the second round of the playoffs right now, so we will cover them in a later podcast more. But uh, now we're going to move on to a couple other headlines, big ones in the postseason. We're going to go to the other 4-5 matchup. The San Diego Padres beat 
the St. Louis Cardinals two to one in game three. So personally, as a Padre fan, the first two, the first game of the series really was not pretty. They put up many runs. Chris Paddock, he left the game after one inning. Our pitching was not good. And then we came back in the second game and our pitching was better. Still not great. We won that one. And then in third game, we threw a shutout with a bullpen start. So that was a very entertaining series. The Padres are now facing the Dodgers. Andrew, what do you think the next step for the Cardinals is? Well, I mean, the Cardinals, they have some young guys that are still getting postseason experience, which is good for them. And they are kind of old. I mean, they have guys like Matt Carpenter and um, Adam Wainwright and uh, Yadier Molina, who are still obviously very good, but they're getting towards the end of their career. So I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a new wave of players for the Cardinals. But Tyler, I'd like to ask you a question about the Padres. As you said, um, the Padres pitched in the third game a full bullpen game using all using nine pitchers, which that's pretty much the whole bullpen uh, who is available to pitch. So do you think that that strong bullpen will help them against the Dodgers right now? Because they are playing the Dodgers. And as we're recording this, uh, they lost game one and Mike Clevenger got injured. And we still don't know if Danielson Lamette is going to be back pitching for them. So how do you think this Padres bullpen will do against the best offense in the MLB? Yeah, I think that the key to this Padres team success is going to have to be their bullpen. Their starting pitchers are okay right now. I mean, Chris Paddock did not pitch well in the first series. Either did Zach Davies. So both of them are going to need to step up in this series if the Padres want to win. And their bullpen, we all know the Padres starting lineup can light it up. They've shown repeatedly, especially in that game three, how they can get a lot of runs very quickly in that game two, my mistake. Um, but their bullpen needs to pitch well if they want to win this series. You know who else can put up a lot of runs in a hurry? The Dodgers. So that Padres bullpen with people like Emilio Pagan and Drew Pomerantz are really going to need to step up at the end of the game to win this series. Okay, now we'll move on to another series. The Astros over the Twins, six over three. The Twins have not won a playoff series in a while, and they have lost, like, I think it is 18 straight playoff games. So, Campbell, what do you have to say about this Astros team going to play at Dodgers Stadium in the second round? Um, You know, I was actually talking to my dad about this last night. Um, I sort of want to see the Astros in the World Series, assuming the Dodgers make it there. Not saying we will, but if we do, a team I would like to see is the Astros. I want to get some payback on them, but I will admit that's a that's a big uh that's a big series win for them. And they're up 2-0 in uh the next round. So they're looking good. Maybe uh we'll see how far they can go in this postseason run. They've been overlooked all season, but they're really proving themselves now. Yeah, they definitely are. They are up 2-0 against athletics right now they're up 2-0 in the second round of the AL playoffs so they are definitely a team to watch now we're going to go to one last series in the NL the Marlins over the Cubs 2-0 the Cubs were one of the most interesting teams coming into the postseason they had Ian Happ Anthony Rizzo Chris Bryant pretty good starting pitchers and you Darvish and uh Kyle Hendricks and John Lester so what do you think happened to this Cubs team? I think that the main problem for the Cubs was that their big three of Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez, I think were a combined like 
I think they got like one hit or two hits combined in that series, which that from coming from your three best players, you're just not going to win when that happens. The pitching wasn't bad, but the Marlins, I mean, the Marlins pitching was phenomenal and they just have clutch hitting and, and timely hitting and that's been fueling them through the playoffs. So definitely a scary team to look out for. Yeah. And the Marlins are playing the Braves right now in the second round at Minute Maid Park. So the Braves did not give up a run in the first round of the MLB playoffs. They did not give up a run against the Reds in the wildcard series, which is a very impressive feat to accomplish. So that Braves-Marlins series, I think it can go either way because both teams are explosive. Now we will move on to our NFL segment of this podcast. We will go through each division and look at the standings. Okay, we will start with right now the worst division in the league, the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles lead this division with a losing record. Yes, you heard me correctly. They are 1-2-1, one, and one. one win, two losses, and one tie. The Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys follow them with a 1-3 and three record, and the New York Giants have our 0-4. Dean, you can start this one off. Who are you going to talk about, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, or the Washington football team? I'm going to talk a little bit about the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. So I got a notification this morning from NFL that said Dwayne Haskins will be benched for the foreseeable future. And Kyle Allen is now the starting QB for that team. So they're going to play the Rams this uh, this coming week. So we'll see what they can do. Um, hopefully, I, I hope they will have a better record than the Cowboys. I don't think it's going to happen. But I want to talk about Andrews. Cowboys. It's kind of funny that Andrew had them going 13 and three and making the NFC championship. The, the Cowboys have by far the worst defense uh, in the NFL. I'm going to say that right now. And yeah, that's why they're one and three. They should be on four. Uh, but yeah, the Cowboys, not a good team. Hopefully they can turn it around. Their team chemistry is just not there. It's literally just Dak Prescott just chucking it up every play. They need to use, they have a top three running back in the NFL, arguably, and they need, they don't even use him. They need to use him more in the run game. They need to use their run game more. And yeah, they really need to get a new defensive coordinator too because their defense is not too good. I mean, they're one and three. They could potentially be 0 and four. I mean, they could honestly be, they could be four and 0 or they could be 0 and four. They are one and three right now. I don't know if they should have won that game against the Falcons. That was a crazy game. The Falcons, special teams players had no clue what they were doing, but. Those other three games that they have played in are very high scoring. And you know what? They could have all gone either way. Okay, Andrew, what do you have to say about this? All right. So, um, Dean, you kind of hit on the mark. The defense is the worst in the NFL by far. I mean, I think the opponent point average right now is like 36 points. And that's just unacceptable. And I'm not really worried about the offense per se, just because when we've gotten in these huge deficits, Dak and the offense, they've been able, I mean, Dak is leading the NFL in passing yards by 300 yards, which doesn't matter because the Cowboys are still one and three, but he definitely has the ability to be a great pocket passer. It's just that it's hard to win football games when you're giving up 40 points day uh, weekly. And I think that the defense is really the problem. And to your point, Dean, about not using Zeke, if you saw if you watch the uh, opening day game on Sunday Night Football, they use Zeke a lot because that was a slow-tempoed game. But the thing is, when, when you get down 41-14 to 14 because your defense is so bad, you have to play catch-up. And if you just keep pounding the ball and just running the ball, if you just keep giving the ball to Zeke Elliott 20 times a game, you're never going to catch up because you're going to be wasting so much clock. So they have no other choice at that point but to just pass the ball at every play. And it's been working. I mean, 
they've been getting a lot of two point conversions and they've been getting a lot of touchdowns, but at some point it's just too much to catch up. So hopefully the defense can uh, fix themselves. I have a question for you guys to answer really quickly. If you to guess right now, who is going to win this division? Would you say the Eagles or the Cowboys? Dean, you start. Well, I don't think the Washington football team's totally out of it yet. They're second in the division, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys only because like the answer could change in the next few weeks, but the Cowboys obviously have the best roster out of any of these teams. There's no excuse that the Cowboys shouldn't be winning more than nine games. So I have to go with the Cowboys just because of the, of their entire roster and how good it is compared to all the other teams. But like the Cowboys are a team that, that it, they might not even make the playoffs because they're they have no chemistry whatsoever and their defense is atrocious. But I'm gonna still have to go with the Cowboys because they just have a better roster than everyone else. So it's the easy choice. Campbell. Um, as a Giants fan, I don't want to say this, but I'm gonna agree with Dean. Um, I think the Cowboys are gonna win this division. Their roster, their especially on offense, is just way too good. It's the it's definitely the best. I think it's the best offense in football, and especially in this really poor NFC East division. So I think, I think they're going to figure it out if they want to make a playoff run. And I think they're going to figure it out very soon. So I think they'll win this division. Now we're not going to waste your time. We all know that Andrew's going to say the Cowboys. So now we will move on to the NFC North where the Packers lead this division with a 4-0 record. They are one of the best teams in the NFL. And following them is a team with a bizarre record for their team. I mean, the Chicago Bears are 3-1. and do you guys think they deserve to be that? Okay, Tyler, I think that the Bears are actually not as good as they seem, and here's why. Basically, their first three wins, let's look at the teams they face. They face the Detroit Lions, who are a bottom-five team in the NFL. They then played against the Giants, who are also a bottom-five team in the NFL, with, without Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley got injured in that game. And then they played against the Falcons, who are supposed to be good, but they only choke leads. So if you give them a lead, they're not going to win the game. So the Bears were able to make a good comeback. Nick Foles was able to make a good comeback. So that's like a semi-good win. But then they played against the Colts, who are probably a wild-card team at best. I mean, may- maybe they win that division over the Titans. They have a chance. But most people predict them at best to be in the wild-card. And they lost like 19-3 to or something like that. They couldn't put up any points. So I don't think the Bears are as good as their record says. I think the Bears will end up finishing like 9-7 and or 8-8 and just because their schedule seems to be super easy. But... I can tell you this. I don't think they're beating the Packers in the division. And I think if the Vikings can step it up, it might be a tough game for them. Because right now, another team in that division, the Vikings, they're playing terrible. But I think if they can get a little momentum going and if they can get uh, Kirk Cousins in that pass game going, then I think they'll be fine. Because Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the league. And they have so much potential to be good. Dean, what do you have to say about your Packers? Well, what did I say for our uh, season predictions? I had them going 13-3. and three. Definitely possible. Um, now I'm going to talk about the Bears. Like Andrew said, the Bears have just played three bad teams. That's why they have three wins. Only reason I have them going probably at this rate, they'll probably win like seven, eight games. And also, it's weird that the Vikings started 0-3. They just beat the Texans this past weekend. But it's it's weird to see a team of the, of the Vikings caliber to be at the bottom of the NFL because – Last year, what were they? Ten and six. They're a wild card team, and they were dangerous. They beat the Saints last year, so we all know that the Vikings, the Vikings can win games. So I'm not too worried about them. And the Detroit Lions, I mean, they're just there. They're always going to be at the bottom of that division. But like I said, the Packers, 
playing amazing football. You saw on uh, Monday night versus the Falcons, Aaron Rodgers didn't have his two best weapons uh, wide receiver wise. They didn't have uh, Devontae Adams, who uh, was about to play, but he didn't play. And Alan Lazard, their wide receiver two out for the season. So that worries me a bit that they don't have that wide receiver two. And now I wish that they drafted uh, a, uh, a wide receiver in the first round, but Aaron Rodgers, he can do anything. You saw him, he threw three touchdowns to Robert Tanyan, uh, a tight end who gets no minutes on the Packers. So Aaron Rodgers can do whatever he has with whatever weapons possible. So I'm really excited for what the Packers can bring. And I, I feel like they got a little better. Their chemistry is super good. So anyone else want to talk about the NFC North? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is definitely a magician with the personnel he had to throw to last week. Now we will move on to the next division in the NFC, the NFC South, maybe the most enticing division in the whole league. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead this division with a 3-1 and record, but with the New Orleans Saints with a 2-2 and record, along with the Carolina Panthers who have a 2-2 and record, and the ultimate chokers in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons, who are 0-4. Campbell, you want to get us started? Okay, um, I'm going to start by talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and most specifically their most recent game in which Tom Brady was an absolute magician. He threw for five touchdowns without his star wide receiver, Chris Godwin. So many players on the field stepped up. I'm pretty sure I read this on Instagram, but it was five passing touchdowns to five different receivers, which is just ridiculous. And if he can keep that up all year and if they can get Chris Godwin back soon, they're going to be extremely, extremely dangerous. And as Tyler was saying, this is a really enticing division with two elite teams. So does someone want to talk about the second elite team in this division, the New Orleans Saints? Campbell, I'm going to add what you're saying about the Bucs really quickly. The Bucs played against the Chargers this past week. The Chargers were up 24-7 to with 40 seconds left in the first half. And then Joshua Kelly fumbled on their own 10-yard line, and Tom Brady was able to convert for a touchdown there, getting them back into the game. And in the second half, he went crazy and threw for so many touchdowns, and the Chargers could not keep up with their offense. So, yeah, now we're going to move on to the Saints in this division. The Saints now play the Chargers this week. Justin Herbert may be the offensive rookie of the year, possibly. He played very well so far in the season. They have been 0-3, but he's thrown for almost 300 yards in three straight games. So, Dean, what do you have to say about the Saints team? And how do you think they're going to do against this Chargers team this week with an elite defense, but maybe not as good of an offense? I still don't think the Chargers will win this game. I said that about the Buccaneers game, and I was right. I think uh, there's a little too much jinxing coming from Tyler in the group chat this past weekend when the Chargers were up big. And uh, talking about the Saints versus Chargers, um, I still think the Saints are going to beat the Chargers. I mean, you just said that Justin Herbert, maybe offensive rookie of the year. You can't be offensive rookie of the year when you're 0-3. I'm sorry. Joe Burrow at least won a game. And Joe Burrow's playing well, too. Respect to Joe Burrow. He's really good. So um, I still think that the Saints will beat the Chargers by 7-plus. All right. So um, you guys kind of hit it all with the Bucks and the Saints. But one thing I'd like to bring up is I thought the Panthers would be the bottom feeders of this division. But it's really the Atlanta Falcons who have choked multiple big leads. And their best player, Julio Jones, has been banged up recently. I think the Panthers... Now, I don't think the Panthers are going to make the playoffs. I mean, I think they have a shot if Christian McCaffrey comes back because he's currently injured, but they have good team chemistry, and Teddy Bridgewater's playing well right now, and their backup running back, Mike Davis, proved that he's capable enough to carry some of the offensive load. So I think the Panthers could be a team to watch out for to maybe upset either the Saints or the Bucks in an uh, upcoming meeting. And in terms of the Saints, 
I just feel like I feel like the Saints should have a better record right now. Um, that game that they lost to the Raiders, I don't think Drew Brees played well. Now, yes, they're missing Michael Thomas, but I think that with a player of Drew Brees' caliber, he should be able to get it done, kind of like what Aaron Rodgers did. No matter who is, no matter which what receivers you put on Aaron Rodgers' team, he's always going to find a way to get it done. And Drew Brees just couldn't find a way. And for the Bucks, I mean, Tom Brady's playing well. Uh, something that I think is interesting is uh, Gronk hasn't really been much of a factor. He hasn't caught a touchdown pass yet. I don't even know if he's even caught a pass. So I think he's just uh, in there for blocking. So I don't. I mean, I think with Jordan Howard now out for the season, he's going to get some more playing time. But uh, also, I mean, Chris Godwin is out. So Tom Brady, limited weapons still, but still putting up good numbers. It's been kind of crazy. The- the Carolina Panthers have played better without Chris McCaffrey. Like you said, Mike Davis has stepped up. Teddy Bridgewater has thrown the ball well in the past two weeks against the Chargers and the Cardinals. And Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, they've been there for him. And he's played well. And their defense has stepped up too, which has gotten them two straight wins. So, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing to say about the Falcons. We all know they choked They choked three straight leads in the, their three first games and just played badly against the Packers. Julio Jones left at, in the second quarter, and so they just didn't have very much going for him. So now we're going to move on to the NFC West, maybe the best division in the league. All their teams could potentially be over 500 at the end of the year. The Seattle Seahawks are 4-0. The Los Angeles Rams are 3-1. The Cardinals are 2-2, two and two, and so are the 49ers. They are 2-2. Two and two. We're going to start with Campbell on this one. What do you think about this division? As you said, this is just a really, really stacked division, and – I think at least three of these teams, if not four, will end above 500. And one team I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Rams. I think we expected the Seahawks, Cardinals, and 49ers to all be really great teams this year. And I think a lot of people were doubting the Rams, and they've really shown up in these first four games. They've looked great in three of the games and looked below average against the Giants, but they didn't need too much to get around the Giants. And like one game I'd like to talk about, their one loss against the Buffalo Bills, they they were down, I think, 25 points with not very much time left in the third quarter. And it was just that they, they're just they're really, really playing well this season. And I think they could definitely contend uh, for a playoff spot. And it's it's going to be tough in a division like this, but they're going to have to keep it up and win some division games. Um, I'm not sure who they play this weekend. I think I think we talked about it earlier, but they're, they're going to need to continue finding wins if they want to make the playoffs. The Rams play the Washington football team this week, so that should potentially be a pretty easy game for them. Their defense has stepped up this year. Two of the best defensive players in the league in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have stepped up on the wide receiver spot, and Daryl Henderson has been their starting running back for the first portion of the year. Jared Goff is playing well too, so yeah, this team is definitely dangerous, but in a division like this, you never know what can happen. Maybe the most surprising team so far this year, not in a good way, more in a bad way, but the San Francisco 49ers have had so many injuries and they should begin to start get more healthy because Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert should come back soon. But do you think this team is a lock for a playoff spot, Andrew? I think that they have enough time, in my opinion, to get healthy. Their schedule isn't ridiculously hard. I know that that division plays the NFC East division, so... They will still get to play the Washington football team, still get to play the Giants, still get to play the Cowboys, which is probably all wins for that team when they're fully healthy. But I think that the loss of Nick Bosa for the entire year is going to be the one that hurt them the most just because he's so good and he's so active in the pass rush. 
So yeah, I think the 49ers, they might not win the division. They might get a wild card, but I still think they're going to make it, especially with that extra team in the playoffs. I don't understand how they wouldn't get it. And I feel like I, I don't think anyone's going to be able to beat the Seahawks in terms of winning the division, but I think the Rams are definitely in a good spot right now to uh, win the division. They play the Washington football team this weekend, as Campbell said, so that's probably going to be another win for them. And also the Cardinals, I, I kind of had high expectations for the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray has played well so far. This past week, though, against the Panthers, uh, they did not play well. DeAndre Hopkins is looking like the best wide receiver currently in the NFL, which is a good sign for them. But the Cardinals defense definitely needs to step it up if they want to make a wild card spot. This Cardinals defense with Chandler Jones and Isaiah Simmons needs to step up. Like you said, their offense is very explosive. So their defense needs to get some stops um, if they want to contend in this division. And let's just talk about the Seahawks for a sec. This offense might be the best in the league. I mean, the Packers offense, the Cowboys offense, they're good too. But this Seahawks offense is so good. I mean, Russell Wilson, uh, one of the front runners for MVP, Chris Carson, a good running back, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, two good wide receivers, and Greg Olson, who's an average tight end. So, Dean, what do you think about the Seahawks team? Their defense isn't that great, but I think if they have such a good offense like they do, their defense might not need to do that much to get them a win. Yeah, the Seahawks are just playing out of their minds right now. I even predicted them to be my number one seed in the NFC uh, coming out of the NFC and making it the Super Bowl for me. But um, the Seahawks have just been playing amazingly. Russell Wilson is playing like the best quarterback in the NFL. He's thrown 16 passing touchdowns in the first four games. The only other player to do that is Peyton Manning. And yeah, he's just playing, been playing incredibly. Their entire offense is rolling with uh, Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, Tyra Lockett's having a big year. He has a big role on that team. So I expect the Seahawks to definitely be a top seed in the NFC. One thing I would like to add on about the Seahawks, Dean, uh, you talked about their defense not being the great. I mean, their pass rush at times, most of the time it's not very good. At times they can get some pressure. Their linebacking core is good, but that doesn't really help going down the field. And I think that the Seahawks, although their defense brings up concerns, they have right now the best offense in the league. I think that DK Metcalf is probably one of the best deep threats in the league based on his his body physique. And just he can run like a 4-6, right? Something like that. That's insane for someone that's his size. And I think Tyler Lockett might be the most underrated wide receiver in the league. He's a deep threat, but he can pretty much do it all. So that offense is just ridiculous. And the thing about the thing about the Seahawks is they can give up, you know, 30 points to the Patriots or 30 points to the Cowboys or even 23 points to the Dolphins, who are not a very good football team. And they can still easily win that game just because of having Russell Wilson and having that uh, great offense. So I think the Seahawks are definitely in the driver's position to win that division. Okay, now we will move on to the AFC, and we will start with the AFC East, where maybe one of the most exciting teams in football this year, the Buffalo Bills, are sitting at on top of the division with a 4-0 record. Following them are the Patriots with two at 2-2, two and two, the Dolphins at 1-3, and three, and the team that is most likely going to get the number one pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets. Dean, you want to start talking about the Bills? Sure. Josh Allen is playing so well right now. Stephon Diggs and him, a great duo right now. And also, their running back, Devin Singletary, is also really stepping it up. Versus the Rams, I think, two weeks ago, uh, they almost blew the lead. And maybe they got bailed out on uh, pass interference. It was some play on, that was super important that caused the Bills on fourth down to get a 
first down, they ended up winning that game. The Bills are playing so well right now, and they're in a semi-good division. I mean, the, the Patriots are still really good, and obviously the Jets aren't that good, but the Dolphins can still uh, put some points on the board. They almost beat the Seahawks last week, so I do expect the Bills to have a uh, finish with a very good record this season, maybe like a 12-4 and record based on how things are going right now. So the Bills are looking really good. I really like what I'm seeing from Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen especially. Yeah, Josh Allen, another MVP candidate, along with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, has been playing out of his mind so far this season. He's gotten the Bills to a 4-0 record a quarter through the season. A team maybe we should look into right now is the New England Patriots. Cam Newton, their starting quarterback, has the coronavirus, and it has just been announced that Stephon Gilmore has gotten it too. So what do you think about this team? Do you think that this setback could maybe prevent them from getting a playoff spot? I think that they're going to be fine if this doesn't turn into like a huge outbreak, like a Miami Marlins situation in the MLB where the whole team uh, got infected. Because if that happens, then I, I if they lose all their players, then they're, they're not going to win with just backups and practice squad guys. But with an extra wild card spot uh, as the seventh seed in there, I think that maybe uh, they can either use Brian Hoyer or Jared Siddham for a couple games until Cam Newton gets back. But that defense, I know Stephon Gilmore is a big part of it, but that defense is still very good and very well coached. I mean, I don't remember the last time Patrick Mahomes had that much trouble scoring touchdowns in the red zone. So... I think that the defense will be fine. I am concerned about Cam Newton not being there in the quarterback situation, but I think that they still have a good chance because Bill Belichick is their head coach. Also, another team I like quickly talk about, the Bills. They've been like probably a top five team, playing like top five team in the NFL. Josh Allen's putting up MVP numbers. He's like set, he's second in total passing yards. He's also rushed for a few touchdowns as well as passing for a lot of touchdowns. And that Bills defense is very underrated. And Tyler, you kind of uh, hit it all with the Jets. They're the worst team. They're going to get the number one pick. I'm curious to see if they'll draft the quarterback over Sam Darnold, uh, or maybe they'll draft a skill player for him. But um, definitely looking forward to also their head coaching situation with Adam Gase. And we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, and something interesting to look into is that the Patriots just played on Monday Night Football against the Chiefs, like you were saying. And at the end of the game, Stephon Gilmore and Patrick Mahomes shook hands and like were talking to each other, not socially distant. So, I mean, that could have potentially spread the illness from the Patriots organization if Stephon Gilmore had given it to Pat Mahomes to the Chiefs organization. So that is definitely something scary to look into. Hopefully it did not transfer over, but uh, we'll see what happens. Now we're going to move on to the AFC North where the Steelers lead this division with a 3-0 record because they did not play last week because of the Titans' outbreak within their organization. So that game got postponed. They did not play a week four game, so they are currently sitting at 3-0. and The Ravens followed them with a 3-1 record along with the Browns, and the Bengals are 1-2-1. and What do you think is the most interesting part of this division? Is it the Ravens not being undefeated right now, or is it something else? Campbell? I'd say the most interesting part about this division is the Cleveland Browns. After their week one game against the Ravens, I'm pretty sure they lost by, I think, 25 plus points. It looked really, really bad for that team. But then the three weeks after that, they've started just pounding the rock through Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, who sadly got hurt on Sunday. I'm not quite sure what his injury was. 
but they just they just started running the ball a ton and they had a great win against the Cowboys. So I think that's really interesting to me. There's a lot of good teams in this division. The Steelers, 3-0, and as you said, didn't play in week four. They had two sort of not fluky, but they played against poor teams. But then they had uh they had one good win against the the zero and four Houston Texans. So Texans were good last year, but maybe maybe they're not gonna play up to their uh, potential this year. So the Steelers sitting on top of that division, and as you said, the Ravens with one loss against the Chiefs. Dean, you want to talk about the Ravens? Yeah, I'd like to talk about the Ravens a little. I don't think it's like really blamed on the Ravens that they're three and one. They just played arguably probably the best team in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. So you can't really say it's surprising because the Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. So that's that. I'm definitely surprised from the Browns. I mean, they dropped 49 on the Cowboys. That's not really saying much since they have the worst defense in the NFL, but still dropping 49 on any team, especially of the Cowboys caliber is very good. So I'm very surprised about the Browns and the Steelers. I mean, everyone's saying how good they are and they're undefeated. I've seen all the Steelers uh, fanboys in the NFL comments saying that the Steelers are going to be the best team in the NFL or the AFC or whatever, and everyone's sleeping on them. But they have played three very bad teams uh, this season. So uh, I think that the Steelers will come come back down to earth uh, because they haven't played many good teams. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about this division. Yeah, the Browns are definitely an interesting team because they beat the football team, the Bengals, and the Cowboys, but they got absolutely destroyed by the Ravens, 38-6. to So I don't know if they're the real deal because they did not get anywhere close to contending with the Ravens, but, I mean, you never know. Andrew, what do you have to say about this division? One thing I would like to say, I was talking about the Steelers, I agree with Dean that the Steelers, they haven't played the three greatest teams. So, I mean, I think they're underrated, but... I don't know if Big Ben can lead them to the to the division win. And I think the only reason why the Ravens have a loss right now is just because they played the Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champs. So I think if they haven't played them, they'd probably be 4-0. So I think the Ravens, they're better than every other team in that division. So I think they're going to easily win. Now we will move on to the AFC South, where the Titans lead this division with a 3-0 record. They did not play last week against the Steelers because of the COVID-19 outbreak within their team. But... The Colts follow them with a 3-1 and one record, and then the Jaguars are 1-3, and three, and the Houston Texans are 0-4 oh and, and without a permanent coach because they fired Bill O'Brien last week, and Romeo Cornell will be stepping in, who is a very defensive-minded coach. So we're going to start with the Titans here. Do you think that the Titans have what it takes to make a run in the postseason if we're assuming that they're all healthy and they can play in the near future? Dean? I do think the Titans are going to win their division and come out on top, but I don't think it's really, it's really likely that the Titans go to the AFC championship. Like it's crazy to think about. They were leading in that game too. So that just go it, time flies because the Titans last postseason were in the AFC championship. I don't think they really have what it takes to get back to the AFC championship, especially now that I feel like Derrick Henry isn't going to be as powerful as he was last season. But uh, I do think I do expect them to maybe win a win a round in the playoffs, maybe going like ten and six. So I, I do think the Titans are still gonna be a good team and definitely not take them easily in the playoffs. Hopefully they can play soon. I mean that COVID nineteen outbreak within their team is a very scary thing. So we will see if they can get healthy soon. The Colts are also an interesting team this season. Their starting quarterback is former Chargers quarterback Phillip Rivers, and their starting running back at the beginning of the year, Marlon Mack, is out for the year. Now their starting running back is Wisconsin rookie 
Jonathan Taylor, followed by Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. So in this wide receiver core, it's not the best. I mean, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, their tight ends are Jack Doyle and Mo Cox. So, um, I mean, it's not the greatest team, and their defense is okay. I mean, they've DeForest Buckner. Malik Hooker is out for the year. But, uh, yeah, this team is interesting. Do you think that they can potentially win this division, Andrew? I think they potentially can. Uh, I don't think they will, though. I don't. I don't think their offense is like a premier offense. I think the Titans' offense is uh, better, especially with their run game and play action. I think AJ Brown's a very underrated wide receiver. So, I, I don't think they're winning the division. I think they can definitely make the wild card, though. But I like to talk about the Texans. I think it's kind of funny that Bill O'Brien, who was the head coach and GM, traded away the best player the Houston Texans have ever had on their team in DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, who hasn't really shown that he can be what he was in 2016 when he was on the Cardinals. And he was able to get a couple picks back. But then he also traded their first and second round pick of this year for Laramie Tunsil. And I mean, yeah, he's a great offensive lineman, but the Texans are in a rebuild mode right now. And they don't have their first round pick or second round pick this upcoming draft. So that's definitely a concern for uh, Texans fans. I just want to go back to the Colts real quick. I don't really think that they can overtake the Titans and win the division only because their offense is just not nearly as good. I mean, they have Jonathan Taylor, who's a great rookie running back, and they have Mo Ali Cox, who's definitely stepped it up. But T.Y. Hilton is not playing at the level he should be. He used to be an elite wide receiver uh, a few years back, but he's gotten banged up over the past few years. He's got He's had so many, so many injuries. And it really sucks because he he had, he had the potential to be super good, but now he's just so injury prone. He can't really get on the field and make that many plays as he used to. So it really sucks for the Colts that they had to deal with that. But I still think that the Colts will still come in second in this division. The other team in this division, the Jacksonville Jaguars, led by Minshew Mania, is also a weird team to watch. They won their first game of the season but they are one and three now. I mean, maybe they can get a couple more wins if Minshew can play well. James Robinson has been a surprisingly good player for them. He was an undrafted rookie, but now they're starting running back after they released Leonard Fournette. So this division is going to be intriguing going into the playoffs because there are two teams that could potentially win this division. They could have very close records going into the playoffs. Now we'll go to the AFC West, where the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, lead this division with an undefeated record. They are 4-0, followed by the Las Vegas Raiders at 2-2, the Los Angeles Chargers with at 1-3, and, and the Denver Broncos at 1-3. Do you think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year again? What do you guys think? I mean, they're almost, I don't want to say it as a Charger fan, but I think that they are a lock to win this division. I mean, it's it's true. Do you think that they can repeat as Super Bowl champions this year? Um. Well, right now they're four and zero. It's kind of a no brainer right now because you can't really blame them for anything they, uh, bad they've done because they really haven't. They just beat the Ravens, who coming into the this, uh, this season, some people still thought they could beat the Chiefs this po- uh, this postseason and uh, win the Super Bowl. So definitely a favorite right now from most uh, NFL fans. So uh, the Chiefs are looking really good. The Chargers, uh, they won their first game, but we got to remember it was versus the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow's debut. So that doesn't really count. I'm going to be completely honest. They're one and three right now. I mean, maybe they can win like six games, but it's going to be tough for them, especially with Justin Herbert just not having that much experience. 
and uh, Keenan Allen not being better than Mike Evans. Yeah, and Austin Eckler's really going to hurt them. He's literally their best player, and he's out for four to six weeks with that scary leg injury. So the Chargers not looking too good right now. I mean, I don't think they can make the wild card. Uh, anyone else want to talk about this division? The Chargers, the Chiefs, anyone? Yeah, um, I'll just like to say, going back to Tyler's question, the Chiefs are definitely a lock to win this division. I think that as long as they stay healthy, I know you had mentioned that maybe they could outbreak in the Chiefs because you saw uh, Patrick Mahomes, Stephon Gilmore, not social distancing after the game. But as long as all that is fine, they're easily going to win this division. I don't, I don't see a scenario where the Chiefs don't make it to at least the AFC Championship game just because I think if there was a team that could beat them, it would be the Ravens playing at their best. But it's so weird because the Ravens, they look like the best team in the NFL when they're playing against anyone else. But then once they played the Chiefs, they they just look like an average football team. I mean, their defense is terrible when they play against the Chiefs. And Lamar Jackson can't seem to get anything going whenever they play the Chiefs. He's 0-3 against him in his career. So... I really hope that is the AFC Championship matchup because I really want to see round four of that. Uh, in terms of the other teams, I'm surprised the Raiders are 2-2. Two and two. They had a great win against uh, the Saints um, Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago. I don't think they're going to make a wild card just because uh, I'm pretty sure they have a hard schedule, but it's a good sign for the Raiders fans to be having a decent season. The Broncos, they're going to finish last in the division. They're terrible. They don't have a QB. And the Chargers... They just have a ton of injuries, and I don't think Justin Herbert can lead them to a playoff spot yet, although he looks uh, promising, and he definitely looks like he can be a good quarterback uh, in years to come. But right now, especially like Dean said with Eckler, their best their best offensive weapon out, I just don't know where the production is going to come from. Justin Herbert is looking like he is going to be the Chargers franchise quarterback. In his first start in the NFL, he took Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs Two overtime. He almost won. They were up basically the whole game. I'm going to talk about the Chargers injuries real quick. Their left tackle, right tackle, right guard, starting running back in Austin Eckler, starting quarterback in Tyrod Taylor, Mike Williams, their wide receiver, Virgil Green, a tight end, Melvin Ingram, a starting defensive end, Drew Tranquil, a starting linebacker, Justin Jones, their third string defensive tackle, but who played a good amount in their games. And Derwin James, Chris Harris Jr., I mean, the list goes on and on. It's it's gotten ridiculous. All those players that I just named are all injured. They're almost all starters, and it's just ridiculous how basically half of their team is hurt right now. And it's just, as a Charger fan, it can be hard to watch because I've always had high hopes. Our roster is very talented, but when half of your team is injured, there's not much you can do. Does anyone have anything else to add? Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny that Andrew just said in the chat when Tyler was talking about all the Chargers injuries uh, with all those players, they still go eight and eight, which is definitely true. Um, now the Chargers probably not going eight and eight this season. Um, that's all I have to say about this. I thought that was pretty funny from Andrew. I'm not going to comment on this. I, I, I'm still hopeful, but because they play after this week, they play the Saints on Monday Night Football, but then they play the Jets, Jaguars, Raiders, Broncos. So there are four games that they could potentially win to maybe get back into the playoff race. Andrew, you have something to add? Yeah, I understand how it feels as a fan uh, of a team that has their whole team injured. I mean, the New York Yankees the past two seasons, literally every starting player on their lineup has gotten injured. And I I understand how you're feeling because I know the injuries are really piling up for the Chargers right now. But I think that the Chargers, they're still a couple pieces away from being a good playoff team and being able to be a contender for a Super Bowl. I still think they need maybe another wide receiver and possibly – another linebacker because I don't think Kenneth Murray is the starting linebacker on a 
Super Bowl contending team? I mean, we're a young team. Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Kenneth Murray, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert. I mean, this team could be one of the best teams in the league in three to five years. Now we will move on to the shot clock segment. Our shot clock topic for today is which team in the NBA has the brightest future? We are going to start with Campbell. 24 seconds on the clock starting now. Okay, so uh, my team with the brightest future is going to be the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets, especially in this NBA restart and postseason, were absolutely fantastic. They proved Jamal Murray can be, I think, a number one on a championship team. And Nicole Jokic was no slump himself. He was great. Both of those players were absolutely fantastic. Jeremy Grant was great, even though he's, uh, I think he has a player option this offseason. So if they can get some more role pieces, they're going to be really, really great in the future. Now we will move on to Dean. 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Mavericks, who are the seventh seed this year. I mean, it's hard to go against the Dallas Mavericks because they have future number one player, uh, best player in the NBA, Luka Doncic. I mean, he's just a once in a generational talent. He can do everything. And when you have a player like that on your team, it's really hard to argue against who has the best future because he has the best future out of any NBA player by far. They get a better supporting cast that can shoot threes and be more defensive minded. They're going to be the best team in the NBA for the next uh, 10 years. Now, Andrew, 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. So I'm going to go with the team that didn't make the playoffs this year, not as good as your other teams. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Pelicans. And I think that they have some bright stars in Brandon Ingham, first-time All-Star. Zion Williamson looks like he can be a great NBA player. Lonzo Ball, he's shown potential. They still have guys like Jackson Ace and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And they have a ton of first-round picks uh, from their tr- big trades with the Hawks and Lakers this offseason. So if they can hit on those picks, I think that they'll definitely be a championship contender for years to come. Now, Dean will be timing me. All right, Tyler, 24 seconds on the clock starting now. So I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics as the team that has the brightest future. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown led this team to the Eastern Conference Finals, and neither of them are either in their primes yet. They are both below 25. Kemba Walker is getting the 30, but I think that they definitely have the opportunity to be finals contenders for many years to come if Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum can step up, and if they if Romeo Langford can play well too and they get a draft pick this year in the lottery. So I think this is a team that is going to be very good for years to come. That is all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to At The Buzzer Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ATBuzzerPodcast and the platform you are listening on today. See you next week.